Hello and welcome to the Friday, March 28th, 2020 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, Kim Reynolds gets a crisis management text and the COVID-19 impact on politics. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper State House Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, politics in the age of COVID-19. It's hard to know where to begin, but uh, like a lot of other people, we're learning how to stay in touch while staying in isolation. Uh, it's a bit scary to realize how much you can do without getting out of bed. <laughs> In Iowa, Governor Kim Reynolds is the focal point for much of the information about COVID-19 and the, and the response to it. She's been having daily news conferences to answer questions, often the same questions over and over, about the state response. Aaron, uh, you've risked life and limb to attend some of those news conferences. Uh, the, does Lee provide you with your... PPE, your personal protective equipment, uh, and how scary was it? Uh, I haven't put in the uh, request yet, uh, um, but, but maybe I'll try and go out and find some and see if I can get away with expensing like a face shield and um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, just hopefully I don't have to wear a garbage bag like some of our you know, brave nurses have had to do out there. Um, they, they've been very interesting, though, um, uh, to pull the curtain back a little bit. Um, um, and in an effort to social distance, uh, these press conferences have been kind of a combination of, of pool and conference call. So there's only actually three reporters in the room at those things, uh, one from print, one from radio, uh, one from TV. And they kind of share the responsibility of asking questions in the room. And then other reporters throughout the state call in via conference line. So um, we're doing our part to... To, to social distance and be careful um, in all this too. So how would you assess the governor's performance? Uh, are the news conferences helpful and informative? Um, do you think they're meeting the needs of providing the information that Iowans need? You know, I, uh, you know, everyone's <laughs> capable of having their own uh, opinion on this. I, I think it's better that she's having them than not. Um, yeah. You know, as a journalist, there's always going to be questions you wish that were getting answered that maybe aren't, that maybe officials are, aren't willing to give up that information on. Uh, we run into that sometimes um, um, with some of our questions. But look, that that's no different than any other government function. I mean, that that's not unique to the coronavirus stories. So um, I think overall um, they have been helpful. And um, I guess as a reporter, I, I, I appreciate the governor's move to going to daily briefings on this. And and, um, and she said it herself in, 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 in large part because this thing is so fluid and there's new information coming in literally every day. And, and so going to a daily um, news briefings makes a lot of sense um, from that part. She's, she's shown a willingness to take questions from uh, reporters all over the state. So um, you know, like I said, I, I think bottom line, it's 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 a good thing that she's doing them. Do I wish sometimes um, she and some of her administration officials would be a little bit more forthcoming? Uh, 
yes, but, but like I said, that's that's always the case. You know, I'm always mm-hmm. going to be on that side of thing where um, state officials feel that there's uh, cases where, um, you know, answering a question, releasing some data isn't the appropriate thing to do. And and um, we just find ourselves on opposite sides of those. Amy, have you have you been watching the news conferences? I have. Yeah. What's your perspective from sort of uh, being a, a stay-at-home viewer? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I send Aaron my most pertinent questions and and uh, yell at him for not asking the right question at the right time. But beyond that, you know, <laughs> we're, it's it's really interesting because we actually I watch that briefing at two thirty, and then Black Hawk County has their own daily briefing at three thirty. So I'm able to really go into that briefing with a lot of the new stuff that Governor Reynolds has. So it's been really a great sort of one-two punch when she brings up new issues. I'm able to go and ask, um, you know, our own county health director and our own emergency management coordinators, you know, kind of questions that relate to what is going on this day. So it, it, there's always new information coming out. I think that at the county level, they're even thinking, should we be having these every day? You know, is there really that much new information? And so far, the answer has just been Yes, there really is. I mean, we're getting new cases. We're having new organizations tell us about their needs, um, uh, whether they're dire or whether they're you know not as severe. And and I think just to have those briefings and, and get those questions answered when they are answered, as Aaron pointed out, that's really been helpful into the work we do. Amy, do you get the impression that uh, your county officials are watching the governor's news conference before they do theirs? So they they know know what uh, they're sometimes. prepared for your questions yeah <laughs> sometimes they are i've noticed sometimes when i when i bring things up cuz i mean obviously all the good questions are answered in the question and answer period afterwards normally uh, she's not putting out a ton of information um, right in the beginning except for yesterday when she announced obviously the extension of the health proclamation but but yeah i think that they are listening to that and and paying attention to that um, i think it was they were sort of taken aback because Blackhawk County has been starting to have conversations about whether they should shelter in place and what that would look like. And I think yesterday when Reynolds pointed out that she believes that the legal opinion from the attorney general was that they couldn't, then that sort of puts a wrench in their plans. Like they'll still have those talks, but maybe, you know, they're trying to find legal opinions from their different entities because, of course, they deal with county, they deal with the cities. And so it's just sort of a a cluster of information and, and they're trying to get the right information at the right time. And Sort of we help each other out, I think, in that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It, one of the things that I thought was interesting that she didn't mention yesterday when she was talking about the, the attorney general's opinion on local governments issuing shelter-in-place orders was that she can order shelter-in-place on a community-by-community basis or a county-by-county mm-hmm. basis. I mean, if if you know the folks in Black Hawk County decide that it's necessary to shelter-in-place, the governor can order that for Black Hawk County. Uh, she doesn't have to do a statewide shelter in place, um, but maybe it would be interesting to see if she if she did that. And I would think that if she did, she would start with Johnson County. Yeah, uh, and, and they've expressed some uh, thoughts on that already, and and Lynn County as well. So um, I'm I'm guessing that if that happens, it's going to be some of those counties um, where the numbers are higher than others. Mm-hmm. Todd, um, part of the response to any crisis of this is the political impact, and the state response to COVID-19 doesn't seem as clear-cut as whether a mayor gets the streets plowed after a snowstorm. Um, And Reynolds won't be on the ballot this year, but her handling of COVID-19 could uh, sort of 
uh, cement her legacy or, or her status as a leader. Um, get any thought, any thoughts on how she's handling it from that perspective? Well, you know, of course, we're we're sort of in the thick of this, so it's it's difficult to judge. I mean, a lot of uh, the impression that people will have of, of how she's responded to this is going to be based on how bad it gets, how many cases there are, how many deaths, how quickly it spreads, uh, what are the you know the health care system can handle the load. I mean, that's that's how you know governors in other states are being judged, and I think that's ultimately how Kim Reynolds will be judged. Uh, sort of the, the secondary wave of this, or third, or whichever wave we're going to be in, is is that with the economic hit that the state is taking and that the nation is taking, I mean, you're 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 going to look at a potential you know drop in revenues. There's going to be budget situation that that she's going to have to deal with, and I think ultimately that's going to be part of part of how she deals with this and is judged is how the state responds to the the economic damage that this does and. And the damage that that's going to do to the state budget and state programs and and you know and her agenda and the republican agenda if they ever come back to the the state house or you know pass bills via zoom or, or whatever they end up doing but i mean so there are a lot of aspects of this that she's ultimately going to be judged on and the unknowns at this point sort of keep me from you know giving her much of a grade it's 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 pretty incomplete mm -hmm. Thinking about the optics, Amy, um, should Reynolds uh, be wearing a mask for these new conferences, or, or doing them from uh, from you know her residence at Terrace Hill instead of uh, the state operation emergency operations center? You know, as as they've been telling us, those masks are for sick people and the hospital. Nobody else should be wearing those masks, least of all the governor, since she's trying to give that message. But I, I would think that a video conference probably wouldn't uh, be surprising in the near future. I would think in the next few weeks, she will probably transition to that. That's that's my guess anyway. Just simply, like you said, the optics of it are going to start looking bad as, as we ramp up, as they think we're going to ramp up and more cases are around, people are really going to take the social distancing even more seriously. And they're going to look at Kim Reynolds standing next to her economic director or standing next to her medical director and say, hey, 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 you know, we, we shouldn't be putting people in this position. We really need these people to, you know, be safe. And especially as you see more leaders uh, get diagnosed. We saw, you know, Boris Johnson, obviously, today get, get diagnosed or late last night. And, and so as you see more people like that, people are going to be like, we need to sort of protect you know, these people in positions of power, especially, and, and need to keep them away from people. Yeah, that's a good, um, I just want to jump in here real quick, mm -hmm. too, that, that, because Amy brings up a good point, and it has been interesting uh, being in that room a couple of times to see the the kind of, uh, the progression of, of the governor and her administration kind of gradually figuring that out, what Amy was talking about, of not having people, too many people in that room. Some of those first ones, uh, kind of looks similar to when the president's been having his daily briefings and they're talking mm -hmm. about social distancing and then they've got 20 people packed into right. uh, about four by five uh, square foot area room around that podium. Uh, I, I, I can still, I still have the visual of one of those early press conferences with the governor where she's flanked by literally like a half a dozen uh, administrators. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that now, as those have gone on, that has changed. They've been much better about uh, she only brings a couple of people up with her and they do mm -hmm. keep their space. Um, they're not, you know, flanked right on her arm on either shoulder at the podium. They're spread out. Um, so they've done a, a better job of that as time has gone on on these things. 
Yeah. The one question I have as I watch these news conferences is as fast as Governor Reynolds speaks, I just, I'm waiting for that sign language interpreter to just like melt down at some point, just like, or turn to her and give her that look like, hey, give me a break here. It's a race between our laptops transcribing her and that poor woman's hands to see what she breaks down. Yeah, exactly. That's got to be, yeah, uh, yeah tiring, a real challenge. But all right, moving on here. Um, are we still picking a president? Uh, how's the pandemic playing out on the national scene? Uh, Amy, it seems like Joe Biden is fighting to get attention now. He's doing news conferences from his basement bunker, I guess. Um, the Sanders campaign has all but disappeared, and uh, Trump approval numbers are, are holding pretty steady and rising in some polls. Um, yeah. Is anyone being helped politically, or, or are the campaigns just frozen in place? If anyone's being helped politically, I, I'd say it's got to be Trump. I mean, in a time of crisis, you know, whoever happens to be the leader, whatever they're doing, people are going to, you know, put their trust in them. And I think this is no different. Um, you know, the more that Trump sort of backs away from from his tendency to get defensive um, and his tendency to sort of push the blame onto others, and the more that he really comes back around and tries to look like a leader. I think the more that his approval numbers will continue to rise. Um, but I think Biden's right to, to have sort of this parallel press conference universe um, where he's, he's giving briefings, be it from a bunker or anywhere, because, I mean, we're all from bunkers now, basically. So, so I think if, if he can break through that noise and sort of provide um, leadership and guidance and, and sort of that moral clarity, I think that um, he's also going to, to see a, a rise as well. Um, and Bernie... I'm not sure what Bernie's been doing, actually. I, last I heard, he was trying to stay in until the next debate. Aaron, do you have any more insight into that? Yeah, he's been pretty quiet. Jim's right. Um, the, the one thing I will say, um, and it's worth pointing out, and I don't know how much it helps him politically or matters, but he's um, been using his fundraising operation to, to, to raise money for charities um, uh, that would be helped at this time. Um, but, but yeah, you know, he, he hasn't been making... Uh, as far as I can tell anyways, and obviously I'm uh, focused on other things more locally these days, but um, uh, from what I've seen, um, he hasn't been doing a whole lot to try and get, um, um, you know, his views out there on all this or, or you know, even it's to, to the degree that Biden's doing, holding video press conferences from the, the Biden situation room. Um, <laughs> That's uh, <right>. <laughs> Uh, he hasn't been doing anything like that. So, so it's kind of interesting. I, um, I, I don't know if um, it, it would be interesting to hear from the Sanders campaign um, what the strategy here is, and, and maybe they just feel it's best to lay low uh, for now. But, I mean, boy, for as long as this could, thing's going to drag out, I don't know how much time will be left. He did get some attention. He uh he sort of railed on the Senate floor at Republicans the other day as, as they shot down the amendment to increase uh, unemployment, to increase the rate of unemployment uh, aid for unemployed workers. And, and he, he did get something for that. And it was sort of vintage Bernie on, you know, just on the Senate floor, reading the riot act to the other side. And so I think he did get some actual good coverage out of that. And I, you know, I think Governor Cuomo in New York may be the, the Democratic frontrunner at, at this point. He's getting, the, he's, he's getting the most ink and airtime and, and plaudits for the way he's handled things in New York. And 
where things are very are really bad right now. So, so Todd, in times of war, voters tend to stick with the leaders they have, and when the economy is good, they tend to stick with the leaders they have. When the economy is bad, they they like to get new leaders, and and all indications are that the economy is going to get bad before we get through this. What's the likely impact uh, of COVID nineteen on the November elections? Well, you know it's. You know, we do sort of rally around the flag at points of crisis, although unlike our most recent wars where we were sort of told we didn't have to sacrifice much and even got tax cuts. Uh, I mean, this is different. This is, you know, the people at war are us and it's, it's you know, we're the ones that are, are going to possibly be uh, harmed by this. Uh, so it makes it a lot different. Uh, you know, I think, as, as I said, with, with Governor Reynolds, it's, you know, we're, we're in the thick of this. It's ultimately much of this is going to depend on how things play out how severe the pandemic gets in the united states uh where you know we have more cases than any country right now and uh you know there's you know for trump there will be yeah as his approval ratings have shown recently there are people who have approved of how he's handling this although you've also got the the reality that they were slow to to uh, realize the threat in February and, and sort of acted like it wasn't a big deal, got support from sort of the Republican media establishment for that. And now this idea that he's sort of maybe rushing us out of out of our uh, sheltering in place to try to save the economy, you know, re rescinding some, some you know, uh, some of the requirements, some of the lockdowns by Easter. Uh, I'm not sure that that's really gonna happen. Like so many things that he sort of talks about reality intervenes and he has to he has to change course and i think that may be what happens with this but yeah i mean I, depending on the severity of this and then how long it lasts i mean will this be the, the prime issue in november that's that's likely but we also you know as we've seen during all of you know the trump years you never know exactly what's going to happen next and you know there, there could be another crisis around the corner that we don't foresee so uh, but his, yeah, his handling ultimately is going to be judged on, you know, once we emerge from sort of this first, this first wave of the pandemic, you know, what, what the damage has been and, and, you know, how well the country can recover going forward. And I, I, again, sorry, Jim, I just want to jump in again here because I was, I was, I was thinking about this question and I thought about how I would answer it. And I thought of saying something like, you know, usually we say, you know, it's eight, eight, seven or eight months to the election, kind of like Todd was just saying, who knows what's going to be the big issue then. Things change so quickly. Um, but on the other hand, this virus is such a big deal. It's hard to imagine it not being a major factor in the election. And then as I, as I said that to myself, I thought, no, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. I feel like I've said that recently. And it was it was in a discussion about impeachment. Remember impeachment and how that was <laughs> such a dominant topic. And of course, this is going to have legs. And of course, we're still going to be talking about this in November. And now here we are. So it's just it's just amazing the the world we've been living in this past year. So great for the news business, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, one other one other factor is I mean I've seen you know projections. You know that that show maybe we you know the virus peaks sometime during the spring, and then we see sort of a decline during the summer, and then we 
in a lot of cases with these pandemics, you see a, a peak again in the fall. We could be looking at a, a spate of new cases in October right before the election, which would definitely put this back on the front burner. Exactly. Exactly. It certainly has uh, changed our lives in many ways. Um, I just saw a report from Walmart that in its clothing departments, it's selling more tops than bottoms, which suggests that people are dressing for, dressing for video conferences are keeping comfort in mind. Uh, don't worry, Aaron, I won't ask. Uh, in, in addition to toilet paper outages, I've heard reports that frozen pizza is in short supply. Uh, not to be judgmental, but I do wonder about those people who are stocking up on ramen noodles. Um, good news is that at, at least at my local Hy-Vee, the ranch dressing supplies are holding up. Um, so I just want to um, ask, you know, what's the biggest personal upside or downside to COVID-19 uh, short of being infected? Is, is it the bars and restaurants being closed, um, working from home? Um, you know, I mean, for me, I spent so much time working outside the newsroom that working from home really isn't a hardship. Uh, I might feel differently if I had kids at home. Um, <laughs> I know I don't like I don't like the guilt I feel every time I go to the grocery store. And I have to say that service at virtual happy hours is not very good. <laughs> On the other hand, there's no tipping. Um, so, so, Aaron, what's what's the best or worst uh, of voluntarily sheltering in place? Well, I'm I'm a little like you, obviously, in a bureau job. Um, I've had a home office for years, so I, I, as far as the remote working, I've been preparing for this for five years. So um, that that was a pretty seamless transition uh, for me. Um, you mentioned the haircuts. That might be the thing that I'm most worried about because I was just about due to, in fact, in the in the last few days before the governor gave the order on closing hair, you know, barbers and salons, I, I was having that kind of inner debate and discussion with my wife. And, and you know, is it, I, I don't know. Are those okay to go to right now? I, I don't know. I, I, I use one. I don't know if it's safe. And then she gave the order. So my problem uh, for people who don't me don't know me, I've, I've we told some of you all about this. Um, my hair doesn't grow longer; it grows thicker. So by the time this is all over, I'm gonna look like I'm wearing a motorcycle helmet or something, or like I'm uh, auditioning for a Beatles cover band. So, so that's my. All right, I can hardly wait. <laughs> Send pictures, Amy. Amy, how about you? What's the toughest adjustment? You know, I got to say, uh, the upsides have been sort of hearing all of these stories that are coming out about, you know, people finding new ways to gather. I've, I've been sort of writing about, you know, people having online classes and online gatherings. Um, and there's even a, a live musician that will do live Facebook Live music and on the, on the weeknights for Venmo tips and, you know, other sorts of tips and comments and smiley faces and and that's been really fun to, to watch, too, because I don't usually uh, I'm not like a going out person anyway. And I like staying at home on, on the weekend nights generally. So that's been awesome just to be on my couch and be able to sort of watch these musicians um, do their thing. So so that's been really cool. Um, downside, I guess, just being around uh, other sorts of people on a regular basis, like when I go into work, 
you know, or things like that. The, the one time that I've been getting out of the house now is basically to go to the countywide briefing every day. So, I mean, even the people that I would normally maybe not talk to as much, I'm always like, hey, how are you? <laughs> Going on walks, you know, and seeing your neighbors driving down the street and waving like a maniac, like, hey, a person, how are you? <laughs> Todd? Yeah, working from home hasn't been too big a deal. I've done that quite a bit. So probably the biggest change is I, you know, I have to put my cocktail in a coffee mug when I'm on Zoom meetings. So that's probably one of the you know, <laughs> things I mean, More like so probably the I guess change I mean I'm I'm the person that does all the cooking in my family and so sort of projecting out for what I'm gonna need and you know it's just it's mm-hmm. difficult to sort of I'm I'm a person that would run to the store on my way home and buy what I wanted to make for dinner and then just make it. And so it, this, this having to think a week or two ahead of time is I'm, I'm running out of stuff. So uh, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Well, that's it for this edition of on Iowa politics. I hope it's been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher and send fan mail to on politics at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Copperhead will take us out. If you know a band or a talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you find your podcast. For Aaron, Amy, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. 